Hello, I'm Natalie Goldberg, and welcome to Education from an Equal. So today I wanted to talk about eating disorders and how health class talks about that specifically because I remember when I took health my sophomore year when we were talking about eating disorders and mental health they made us track our diet and write down everything we ate for three days and look at the calories and look at the nutrition facts and I just think about how that could be really harmful for anybody experiencing an eating disorder and didn't even really teach me or anybody else in my class about what that was and I think in general high school health curriculum does a really poor job of covering mental health disorders which is a shame because high school is like the time when you're most experiencing that. And so today I brought my friend Kayla in to talk to us about mental health and eating disorders in high school. <laughs> so Kayla, if you want to introduce yourself. Um, hello everyone. My name is Kayla Kruger. Um, I just graduated high school. I'm going to be a freshman at U of O this year. And yeah, I, I'm very open about like kind of my health journey and like my eating disorders and kind of like my mental health growth in general because personally I'm a very open book and I feel like the more that I talk about it the more it could potentially help other people so that's why I'm so thankful to be on this podcast and I get to share some things about not only my journey with eating disorders but also just kind of like advice and some observations I have from growing up in an affluent community. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Do you want to talk about where your eating disorder kind of started and then we can tell the story from there? Yeah. So, it started like from the time when I was in elementary school. I, I It was just like obvious kind of that I like didn't necessarily gel in with all of the other like popular girls or whatever socially, I guess. I mean... I had, like, a few friends, and they were relatively popular, but I was always, like, the side character. Oh, my God. Thinking <laughs> about the Duff movie yeah. right now. <laughs> That's literally me. I was the Duff of my friend group. Um, no, but seriously, I was just kind of, like, the side character, and, like, like I was the girl that was, like, always kicked last for kickball. <laughs> Which really, like, was very formative, <laughs> obviously. But especially in middle school, that's when my eating disorder started to develop. Because everyone was so focused on looks and, like, just puberty and, like, the hormones in general were just running rampant in the halls of my middle school in particular. And I, I distinctly remember a moment when... People singled me out as the awkward friend, and that has stuck with me ever since, and, like, from that day on, I was known as, like, the awkward girl, or, like, the awkward friend, and, like, all the popular kids would be, like, oh, like, Kayla's the awkward girl, and I don't want to sound like I am blowing it out of proportion, but that is kind of what it was like. That was, like, that would be hard in middle school. Like, everybody's really so hard. focused. It was really hard, especially because I just wanted to fit in. 
Like, I was willing to do whatever it took for me just to fit in or be, like, socially accepted. And looking back, I had these, like, compulsions to be my authentic self, but I just, like, turned them away and I just didn't address them at all, which is really sad. But from then on, I started being really insecure physically, and I think that's where, like, my social insecurities manifested itself was in physical insecurity. So I played competitive softball (laughs) growing up, which was like a really toxic culture in general. But I just started like going to the gym and like I started going to the gym and running and like religiously focusing on exercise and like having an exercise routine ever since I was literally 10 years old. Like I was insane. Yeah. Since I was 10 years old, I would go to the gym and I would run on the treadmill and I hated it. And I remember crying, literally bawling before going to the gym because I felt like I had to go and run so I would lose weight. But it was just so mentally hard for me. So I started going to the gym and then when I played softball... I kind of stopped going to the gym and then just like any other kid going through puberty like I gained weight as I was growing up but for me it didn't make sense that that was supposed to happen and I was like this isn't supposed to happen I'm supposed to be skinny. At that point had you learned anything about eating disorders? I learned literally nothing about eating disorders like looking back on it I and now able to recognize that I had a distinct eating disorder. But at the time, I was like, oh, this is just what I'm supposed to do to be skinny and be, like, socially accepted, I guess. So I started running, and in eighth grade, I believe, the summer between eighth grade and freshman year, I lost, like, 35 pounds, which in the span of, like, Four months, I'd say. That's kind of a lot, especially for a teen going through puberty. And the main thing that I think reinforced my eating disorder, especially when I was in high school and entering high school, was that I came back to school after summer and everyone was like, oh my gosh, Kayla, you look so great. Like, you had a glow up. up. I remember that. I literally remember that. Everybody was saying that. Like, we weren't even friends at that point. Like, we were kind of friends, but not really. And I even, like, knew, like, that everybody was saying that. Yeah, everyone was like, wow, you, like, really glowed up over the summer. And in my brain, that correlated to, oh, I'm doing something right. When in reality, I was restricting my eating. I was over-exercising. I was, like, not getting any sleep. I was extremely malnourished. And at this point, I didn't, like, go to a doctor or anything like that because I just thought this was, like, puberty and this was normal. And it got to the point where I, like, didn't have my period, like, for four months out of my entire freshman year just because I was so malnourished and, like, iron deficient because it was just, like, in my brain, I was like, oh, I'm doing something right. Like, that means what I'm... What I'm doing right now is how I'm supposed to be living. So then from that point on, I developed a relationship with eating and exercise that was really toxic in the sense that everything I ate 
I would have to run and I was tracking my calories and then I would have to run the same amount of calories. So I went into major calorie deficit and I was very malnourished and I didn't go to a doctor about it until the beginning of my sophomore year. Did you know you had an eating disorder at that point or when you went to the doctor did you still think you were being healthy? I thought I was being totally healthy because I thought that like running was making me healthy and I thought that you know if I eat one apple for lunch like that's fine and that's enough. I didn't know I had an eating disorder at all especially because in my freshman health class where they like kind of touched on eating disorders they really only touched on anorexia nervosa and bulimia and it was like they only covered like super extreme like far along developments and like manifestations of those two eating disorders and I think they also cover bulimia like solely as like throwing up your food yeah when in reality when I went to the doctor I found out that I had orthorexia and bulimia and body dysmorphia so orthorexia is like when you have like an unhealthy obsession with like healthy eating and like you have to eat everything like super healthy and that also is is similar to like over exercising and bulimia is similar to orthorexia because in bulimia when you're binging and purging it can be like you're eating and then you're exercising a ton like that was my version of binging and purging And then body dysmorphia was probably, like, the biggest hindrance on my personality and self-esteem. And it also just took, like, the biggest toll on me mentally because there were weeks where I would avoid looking in the mirror completely just because, like, I absolutely hated what I saw. And I hated it when people took pictures of me. Like, I absolutely hated it when, in reality, what I was looking at in the mirror wasn't what was physically there. Like, my brain wasn't showing me, like, my true self or, like, how I actually looked. But then there were also days where I would literally look in the mirror and, like, stare at myself and examine myself for hours. Just, like, picking apart every single detail that I didn't like. And then I would write it down. And then I would, like, figure out what to do to, like, fix that. What did you do after you went to the doctor? What did, like, after they told you all that? So I I first went to the doctor when I was, like, a sophomore. And they just kind of said, like, oh, you have, like, body dysmorphia. Like, what you need to do is just, like, eat this and this and this, like, every day. And come back and, like will take your vitals and stuff like that, but I never really followed up when I was a sophomore. Mm -hmm. I just kind of was like, oh, like, there's nothing immediately wrong with me because they didn't really tell me that there was anything wrong with me. They were just kind of like, oh, this is something that kind of happens when you're going through puberty. So I didn't really follow up when I was a sophomore. And then in between, like, sophomore and junior year, like, it kind of leveled out, but then I relapsed, like, really, really hard at the end of my junior year and that's when I went to the doctor again and I was telling them about how 
like my eating habits had regressed. I was like exercising for like three plus hours a day and just I had like a really unhealthy diet. I was eating like I would wake up and I would drink like black coffee and then I would like eat one apple and then like for dinner I would have like a quarter cup of rice and I like measured everything out and so when I was the summer of my junior year when I went back to the doctor they told me that I had disordered eating and I had all of these mental issues and you know I took that really negatively at first because I thought that this entire time I was doing something right when really it was the opposite for for my body and mental health in general and so they took me to go see a registered dietitian and I started going to therapy again and they put me on antidepressants and I started recovery and I actually just got out of recovery this morning which is really exciting queen yeah I didn't even know that yeah um so I was in eating disorder recovery for about a year and I'm now technically I'm now out of recovery but um I still have to go and like go see a dietitian and like have regular checkups like when I was in recovery I would have to go to the doctor every two weeks and they would have to like check my vitals like they would check my iron levels and oh that was like another thing I was really iron deficient from being so malnourished so I had to go on iron pills for a really long time and they would check my vitals they would draw my blood once a month and then I would go see a dietitian, and I, and I would have to keep, like, food logs. And, you know, in the case of going to see a dietitian when you're in eating disorder recovery, I think keeping a food blog is healthy. But as Natalie said earlier, when we had to do that in high school, the beginning of high school, I remember that assignment distinctly. And I remember, like, faking it, kind of, and, like, writing down that I was eating super healthy when I really like wasn't eating literally anything yeah I just remember having to do that assignment and then having to like share it in class and it's like why would you do that yeah like first of all what purpose does that serve and also like that is just begging people to like be ashamed of their eating habits and it wasn't really like I remember having to write down like the amounts like the cups yeah yeah and like you know everybody is different and like you know some people need more food than others and like that's totally normal that's totally okay yeah that definitely like instilled like a really bad sentiment in my mental health I guess I just yeah I just wish that they taught us about like that kind of stuff before it was already happening like I wish that that was covered in like the like fifth grade like pre-health moment and they talk about like you are going to go through puberty and like you are going to gain weight and it is likely that you're going to develop some mental problems because you're going to be having all of these hormone issues and so like bear in mind that it's normal and that you should get a therapist early and like Mm -hmm. like I just wish that they gave that information earlier yeah because I mean not only was it like 
mentally tolling on myself, but it also was, like, really hard for my family, too, because, like, my mood was just so unstable. Like, I would be totally fine one second, and then I would be sobbing and, like, having a tantrum, literally having a tantrum as, like, a 16-year-old. <laughs> and like Natalie said, like, I think a lot of girls have had similar journeys, and you know, when I when I open up and talk about like my eating disorder and my journey with health, many girls that I talk to relate to it in some way. But also, I think it's really toxic how sometimes girls like, try to like compete, I guess, Mm -hmm. with like, their like extremity of eating disorder. Like, I remember, like a few instances when I was in high school, and I was like, like, right in the, like, midst of, like, my hard relapse, and, like, some girls would be, like, oh, like, I only had, like, an apple for lunch, or, like, I only had this for lunch, or, like, some, like, so many girls, and guys, too, but just, it's just not, like, as widely talked about with guys, and from my personal experience, I usually talked about this stuff with my girlfriends, But, like, so many girls would come to school and be like, I didn't eat breakfast this morning. Mm -hmm. As if it was something to be proud of. Yeah, like, I didn't pack anything for lunch today. Like... Yeah. Oh, my God. I remember, too, in middle school, like, in my friend group, we would go out to eat. And then one of my friends, I'm not going to, like, say her name in this, but we would go out to eat, like, food. And then we'd come back to her house and she'd be like like I'm gonna go like throw up like you guys should do it too like it's when you eat a big meal like that you like it's something that's like good to do and I was like young I can't remember like if I was in like seventh grade or whatever but like that was so normalized like she literally like said that to me and it like sticks with me to this day and like I mean for her sake I hope that like she's dealt with that but I don't talk to her anymore like that was like really like I don't know I just I think about that a lot yeah, like how I, normal I never had, like, a distinct moment like that in, like, early friendships that, like, pushed me over the edge and kind of, like, pushed me to develop, like, an eating disorder. I, for me, it was kind of, like, all mental. Like, it was something that, like, I manifested for myself. I felt social pressure from other people to be a certain way, but it was very indirect. And then when people were like, oh my gosh, Kayla, you're so pretty, you like glowed up or whatever, I was like, oh, like this is a good thing that's happening. And that's like one of my really big problems just with like modern teenage society in general is that the glow up culture is so regressive and it's so toxic and it sets an expectation for young people to make drastic changes to their body to be socially accepted when in reality we should be preaching like body positivity and like authenticity and like uniqueness and just like inclusivity in general because I feel like you're already going through so many life transitions your hormones are already out of whack. Like, everyone just needs to be a bit more gentle with each other because ultimately things do get better and you will recover and, you know, each day does get a little easier. But with that being said, there are some days that are (laughs) very hard. And now that I'm out of recovery, I still have those days that are really hard. 
but it just takes time. Yeah. I think another thing that's, like, important with that is, like, in terms of commenting on people's bodies and, like, glow culture and that kind of stuff, it's, like, you just should not comment on people's bodies. Like, I know that's not really a hot take at this point, but, like, I think for middle school girls, it might be a hot take. (laughs) Because, like, I remember, like, that was just, like, I don't know, such a thing. And I think it's important to teach kids at a really young age that, like, there are other compliments you can make besides, like, oh, you look skinny. Like, oh, wow, you look so good. You exactly. blew up. Like, yeah. I think that there are other compliments you can give. And that also kind of, like, brings me into another thing that I wanted to, like, discuss, which is body neutrality and your opinion on that. Essentially, body neutrality aims to encourage you to accept the body you are in focus on its achievements rather than its appearances. Yeah. And I I don't know necessarily what the quote-unquote right thing is, like whether that's body positivity, whether that's body neutrality, but I just think it's something important that's been arising, at least Mm -hmm. in my view. Like I've been seeing people talking about it a lot more. And I think that that kind of goes back to the thing about compliments. It's like focus on what people – like, what people's bodies are achieving rather than, like, what they're looking Mm -hmm. like, like the definition said. I Mm -hmm. just want to know your opinion on that. I think body neutrality is, like, a good concept that we should be teaching, and I feel like that should be taught in, like, health curriculum or whatever, but I also think it is, like, I also think that you should be appreciative of your body, but it's, like, something that you should take pride in, however that manifests, I guess. Count how many times I say manifest in this podcast. (laughs) You can leave that in if you want. Manifest counter. Manifest destiny. Manifest destiny or body, honey. (laughs) Um, Okay, anyways. I think that... What was I talking about? Oh, body neutrality. I think that body neutrality is a good concept that should be taught from a young age. Because I feel like it would help counter the toxicity, you know, puberty and just, like, growing up and your body changing or whatever. But I also think your body is something you should take pride in, in however, whatever form that appears in. I think that you should be proud of the things that you've done and what you will do in the future. And in terms of, like, body neutrality or whatever, like, your body isn't just something that allows you to do, like, day-to-day tasks. It's something that you're, frankly, you're stuck with for your entire life. And, you know, you really need to get to know yourself, like, on a physical basis but also like mentally too like the mind-body connection is really important and that's something that I didn't even realize was such an important concept to like have stable in your life I didn't even realize that that was a concept until you know I was in eating disorder recovery because I just felt like it was completely normal for like there to be kind of I don't know, I just, like, instability and, like, the mind-body connection. So I feel like that's something that should be, like, taught from a young age to focus on. And 
there are many ways that you can like achieve that or strengthen that. For me personally, it was like meditation and like, like just doing things and like relaxing and like resting because that was something I never did was like take a rest day. Like I would literally exercise seven days a week. I mean, if there's like one sentiment that I can leave from this podcast, it would be take pride in your body and really focus on like your mind body connection and allow yourself to relax and allow yourself to be authentic. So something you talked about earlier in the podcast was like how you'd use running as like your purging tool with your bulimia. But I know that you still run now. Like we run together. <laughs> I don't want to like yeah, pretend like too. I don't know you. <laughs> like we still go running together and stuff now. So I want to hear about how you were able to find a healthy balance between being in eating disorder recovery, but also still running because it's still good for your body. So for a really long time, I viewed running as like a punishment for eating. And that was my form of purging. And I think something that like, honestly, really helped me with like creating a positive relationship with running was the cross country. <laughs> and Natalie's rolling her eyes. I hated cross country. <laughs> I now Kayla and I run a lot together. Um, and I actually really like running, but I tried to join cross country sophomore year because I wanted to be skinny, which is a terrible idea. And obviously I hated it because I was doing it for unhealthy reasons and forcing myself to run. And Kayla's laughing because I quit two weeks before the season was over and just stopped coming to practice. So that's a little fun tidbit about my life for the pod, for the podcast fans. We're, we're positive about your (laughs) running relationship now. But um, anyways, I joined cross country and it was more like I went to cross country to like make friends not really to run because I never really I don't know I was kind of like a like a social nomad I guess (laughs) but like I didn't really have like a steady friend group like I had a few like really good friends especially in like freshman sophomore year but I was just kind of like like trying to like in my I was very in my head So I joined the cross-country team when I was a sophomore, and I met a lot of great people, and I met some of my best friends on the cross-country team, but it also, like, cross-country also gave me, like, structure that I yearned for in terms of exercise, and it just gave me a great community, and I'm very thankful to have, like, a good experience with cross-country because, like, because, like Natalie noted, not a lot of people have good experiences, and you know, not everyone's the same. But I honestly think what helped me the most was when I wasn't in cross country season, when I would go out and, on runs by myself, having gone through like the structure and like racing and just, like, structured workouts and cross-country practices, but, like, being able to, like, find freedom in myself in, like, alone time and, like, running really did become, like, my therapy. I know that sounds so cheesy and, 
like you can totally cringe at that, but it it really became my therapy. Well, no, I mean I know it sounds really stupid, but I used to be one of those people that would literally like turn off the podcast or whatever if I heard somebody say something like that. But then I actually started running like for good reasons, and I actually love it. Like. I know it's so cheesy, but it is, like, therapeutic in a way because you're, like, experiencing what your body is capable of. And, like, that's kind of, like, body neutrality. Like, you're experiencing, like, what your body can do. And when I'm running, I'm not really thinking about what I look like because, like, I'm either running alone or I'm running with Kayla. And And I'm just, like, thinking about, like, wow, like, I can run. Like, I am so lucky to be able to, like, move my body. So I think that exactly. there are, like, healthy ways to yeah. do it. So a really big breakthrough for me was when I ran my first half marathon when I was a sophomore. I just kind of knew that running half marathons and eventually marathons was something that I wanted to get into just because I thought it was, like, a great way of, like, pushing my body and it was, like, a good way of setting goals. But I think mentally it was – one of the best things that had happened to me, especially because I was kind of in, I was knee deep in like my toxic, like eating disorder, like mentality. Um, And so it just kind of like showed me that, you know, I am like my biggest competitor, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) (laughs) It really, it showed me that like, I, can do anything that I set my mind to and kind of just like crossing that finish line I I think I like sat down for like 10 minutes and I was just sitting there like silent because I was like what like there's no way I just ran 13 miles um and so I don't know I was just like that was one of the only moments I had experienced in my entire life up until that point where I was actually proud of myself. Wow. That's powerful. So just for the last question, if you could say anything to your younger self or people in your similar situation, what would you say? Um, I honestly would just say relax, like give yourself time, like your body goes through changes and it's completely normal, but also like never lose sight of yourself. Like this sounds so cheesy, but like there were definitely points where I was struggling when I really was having a hard time with both like exercising and an eating disorder. Like there were times where I completely like lost my authentic self. Now that I've like found my authentic self, I'm able to look back and kind of appreciate my health journey even though it wasn't like a linear path to like being happy and even today it still isn't a linear path at all but I'm able to appreciate every single step of the way and like in a different way like obviously there were times where it was literal hell but (laughs) Um, I'm able to look back and be proud of myself for beating something so hard and so challenging, even though it's, like, a really abstract concept. 
Um, and also, I would, I don't know, I, I wouldn't recommend this to my past self, but now I think one of the best things that it can be helpful to younger kids is just talking about it and, like, normalizing, like, body positivity or, like, body neutrality mm-hmm. and kind of just, like, I don't know. The reason why I'm so open about, like, my mental health and my physical health and my my health journey in general is because I know that there are so many other girls that have been in similar places that I am in or are going through um, similar situations that I went through. And so, like, just kind of, like, empathizing with them, like, know that you are not alone at all. You can literally like find me on Instagram and DM me and I don't care who you are like I will respond I'll tag you in the Instagram (laughs) post for this so people can DM you such an influencer (laughs) um but anyways like I'm always open to talk to people about this and just like really empathize because when you are at the lowest low all you want is someone just to, like, be, like, tell you that it's going to be okay. Because mm-hmm. that's something I wanted. Um, Especially because it's so competitive. Because exactly. you Like, it's it's hard to talk to your friends sometimes about it because they're, like, competing against you. And if you feel like, if you're like, oh, like, I'm struggling with this eating disorder. Like, I really want to, like, eat whatever. Like, I, like, don't want to feel this way anymore. They're, they'll just, like... I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but they'll exactly. just, like... Exactly, yeah. It's just, like, so toxic. Yeah. Um, luckily, like, my parents and my brother, they were amazing throughout, like, this entire journey, I guess, or... Ordeal. What, ordeal, whatever you want to call it. They were really helpful, but, you know, not a lot of people have the same, like, healthy relationships that they can go to and, like, seek refuge in, so, like, just... Trying to find the good in people and try to find the good in yourself. Well, thank you so much, Kayla, for talking with us today. I really appreciate you being vulnerable and being willing to share. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, I've been a huge fan. (laughs) No, but seriously, like being on this podcast is such an honor because I see how hard Natalie works on it. And I've been there. When shit gets real. Yeah. <laughs> Me literally crying over, like, having to post an episode. Yeah. Oh, but, um, yeah. Education from equal fam. Peace out and peace within. Peace and love. Thank you so much. Kayla Kruger out. Kayla out. <laughs> <laughs>Thank you so much for tuning in to episode four of season three, Education from an Equal Bold. The next episode will be released in two weeks. For more information, please go to www.educationfromanequal.com and remember to follow the podcast on Instagram at educationfromanequalpodcast. See you next time on Education from an Equal.